I'm Hannah Warmer and welcome to season three of The Rosin Diaries, where I'll be discussing everything violin and film composing related and everything in between with a variety of guests. Hello and welcome back. I cannot believe we've made it to season three. Now, many of you guys will know that I began this podcast in the pandemic and season three, it's still here. But today we're going to discuss why I love stage at concerts and my green screen virtual concerts so much. you guys but I feel I've been on kind of a spiritual journey this past year I didn't ask for the pandemic I didn't want the pandemic and I haven't always enjoyed the pandemic but I'm someone who likes to get something out of any situation and I I feel like everything can serve its purpose in life whether it's good or bad and so this year has made me take stock of my life but also of my performing career and I've come to some decisions or or opinions at least that I didn't have before so if you are listening for the first time today I'm classical violinist and film composer Hannah Warm in case I wasn't made clear from all the intro um I did perform on stage it turns out since 2015 prior to pandemic but it was very regularly and the reason I was used it so much was because I can't be in everywhere in the world um, and all the time so it's a great way for people around the world where I'm not touring to their countries because perhaps I don't have enough audiences there or I just am doing stuff in, in my own country so once in a while I would use stage it as a way that everyone around the world can um, listen to my music but it wasn't a huge thing in my life and I didn't see it as a sort of viable way for artists to perform or you know, run a career in anything I treated it a little bit online concerts a bit disrespectfully and I think perhaps musicians still do and I'd say it's the number one flaw in performing online concerts if you have no respect for them no one else can have a respect for them but when the pandemic started obviously I started doing three shows a week I'm up to I'm in the 200s now over 250 in shows and so I would call myself something of an expert in the field and um Not only have I gained a huge respect for online concerts, I actually really, really enjoy them. And though they are a different way of exhibiting your arts and your work, I'd say they aren't worse. Sorry, there's a fly flying right by me. You may have heard that. They're not worse than any other concerts. They're not a substandard form of a live concert. They're just different. And many things about them has made me reassess what I'm doing as an artist, actually. So, one thing about the online concerts, I would say, is you're very much held back or, or determined what you can do on there by your the tech you have and the internet capabilities you have. I'm just going to have a drink of peppermint tea here. And so... I I am a little girl with big dreams. 
And I always, years ago, wanted to do kind of green screen and um, I attempted to do an underwater concert years ago via green screen and it went horribly wrong because my internet was very poor in the countryside. In heading into, so I've come away from all that ideas, you know, there's pipe dreams, Hannah, stay in the, the reality. And at the beginning of the pandemic, when I started doing three shows a week, I actually lost internet in my studio. So I was doing them from my home and um, just from the laptop microphone and the laptop camera. And though I performed with high, you know, I would say high technical quality playing and, um, to the best of my ability and I felt they were entertaining the the technology was holding me back a little bit in October 2020 I got um fiber optic internet and that changed everything for me I can use the green screens I can use so much special effects OBS um plug-in mics plug-in camera for better camera quality um yeah, it's absolutely changed everything, and it has artistically, or my artistry via the online concerts is no longer held back. And so, if you're an artistic person, the the online concerts are absolutely wonderful because for, when you're doing a live concert, obviously you are confined by the space you're performing in, what the acoustics are like, how many people it can seat. What it looks like, if you're performing in a Baroque church, you really probably want to perform works by composers that suit that environment. And in the same way, the acoustics of the environment, whether it's modern music or old music, it really does, um, is affected by that. So in that way, using the green screen means that I can place myself in any environment I want. And the environment can, to some degree, sometimes more, sometimes less in my concerts, um, become almost a a performer or a character itself. And so, for examples, I would say the big one, the one I love, is the Game of Thrones show. As a film composer, performing all the music of Game of Thrones, using the green screen, we were able to travel around Westeros on Dragonback. Um, we were able to go to different lands and performing those lands. For instance, um, Hands of Gold was in a forest and that suits the surroundings the piece is very ethereal and having it in a forest environment is absolutely amazing um and then even the um light of the seven it's a very long piece it's over 10 minutes long and it was composed for this whole scene in game of thrones sometimes when you play that piece away from the scene it can be a bit too long and it can be a bit too repetitive. So we were able to actually have me playing whilst the scene and the drama is taking place behind you. Now, you can be saying at home, it's very gimmicky. And I agree, I use the green screen in a very gimmicky way occasionally. For instance, Flying a Dragon. But it also um, is it's something I always wanted to do, so it's fun. <laughs> but in other ways, the green screen, like I say, performing a, a feral piece um, inside a forest... Is absolutely wonderful because when the music video I've made to that piece is in that way so when you're releasing your own music and artwork you can provide the imagery you can even split between the performer and then outside shots and you're providing the imagery towards that piece so it gives the artist when you're composing your own pieces a lot more creative control over that rather than 
say premiering a new work in a church or a theater with program notes to accompany it it's quite a dry feel to that what i can do is premiere a new piece with imagery to accompany it that that suits that tells the story i want to tell and in i could place some um program notes in the blurb underneath the screen if people want to read it but also I can afterwards do a Q&A, I can um, talk about the piece and I can bring up aspects of the piece and play it to you. So I find it a much more interactive um, vibe like that and something, maybe I'm a control freak, but I can control the environment a lot more than I could with live um, performances to give what I would consider like a real 4D interactive um engagement with the art form and then with that you even the mics and what might go obviously you have to invest in mics and things but the filters and how you're doing that and I'm obviously working with someone who's very interested in that and always I feel like we're being stretched creatively to look at new ways new things we can do what filters can we use can we run it the new thing we're trying to do is run it through Cubase so that we can um, use various acoustics from around the world including like the Walt Disney concert hall or and all of this we can bring two artists with very little um, mileage very little expense on my behalf no no plane journeys no co2 emissions no greenhouse gases we're bringing it to people around the world people who can't get to Walt Disney Hall in uh, LA people who perhaps don't live near a city people perhaps do live in a city but they can't go out every night of the week and I definitely don't think online concerts will replace live concerts but most people don't go to a live concert every night of the week so I think the place where the virtual concerts fall are somewhere between Netflix and live concerts it's an an additional form of arts and entertainment that you can consume it's live it's interactive it's right now it's not something that was recorded six months ago two years ago it's something that's happening right now that you can engage with but on a wednesday night when you got home from work at seven o'clock in the evening you you may not be up for going out so it's, it's that sort of thing it's live art that you can engage with but from the comfort of your own home at a reasonable cost and as an artist the reason it's so important is i feel it allows a lot more creativity and it also allows you to perform to a wide audience without huge 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 expenses that are involved in touring so i find that absolutely brilliant But let's talk about the artistry in a little bit more depth. So I've already covered how both the environment and the acoustics and everything in it you could control to add. It becomes a piece of the art as opposed to a just a place somewhere you found 
that's either you know that's good to perform in it's i would say on the stage it shows everything from the microphone to the the environment you perform in everything can be a piece of art it can also be a gimmick if you want to go that way and believe me i've done both (laughs) some of my shows are very artistically creative and some of them aren't some of them are more just fun because i feel like we can have fun too and that's where I want to go next the freedom as a classical artist that I have on stage is something I've enjoyed for the first time in my career just going to take a sip because it's kind of the wild west of music sometimes I feel that tradition and structure have kind of superseded or taken over from art history in classical music. Now, I may be wrong saying that, but there seems to be more of an importance on an artist to replicate something that's been done before in the classical music world, rather than strive for something new. In fact, things new are often panned, they're laughed at, they're mocked, they're ridiculed. Any artist that takes a risk in a classical music concert, is opening themselves up potentially and most likely for a career suicide. Not so on stage yet. So, on stage it, we are able to be silly. We are able to chat. Sometimes I chat too much, which is why I started the podcast. It didn't stop me chatting. We're able to experiment from um, things like... Um, a murder mystery show where the audience actually interact and guess the murderer to um, the first virtual concert with virtual orchestra ever of the lark ascending to um, premieres of my piece Soilo and my piece Einzimal. It's really, really out there and anything you do is okay. It's, it's really, it's released or relieved a lot of anxieties about being experimental so I feel it's the place in classical music where once upon a time artists did take risks and they really really they took risks financially and they also took risks artistically on stage it is the first time in my life that I've been able to take risks because the stigma there is no tradition with online streamed concerts and I think the most successful artists I've seen this year are the ones that take them risks on through all walks of life not just classical music or all genres the ones that are taking risks the ones that are striving the ones that are looking and being curious and asking questions and the ones that are watching other concerts and other artists and go oh I like this they're doing that both in a business sense and in an artistic sense I think it's important I don't think there's anything wrong with going away from gimmicks um, but as long as you, you get some, if you're getting, I feel like if I was doing shows and doing gimmicks, like I'm trying to think of a gimmicky show I've done a lot, <laughs> um, The Lost City of Atlantis, uh, James Bond theme show on a yacht, these are potentially gimmicky shows, but I feel like, and probably, you know, you can see the Game of Thrones show me riding on the back of a dragon as a gimmicky show, um, But I feel like every show I've done is something that has excited me, has been both both visually and musically interesting 
and fun and sometimes they've made me cry and sometimes they've made me laugh a lot and I've had so much fun. And so, yeah, a theme show or a gimmicky show, it is potentially seen as that, but the the gimmick, I feel like it's true and people enjoy the artistry because you do. So if you're just doing like, oh, I've seen lots of artists doing these theme shows, so I'm just going to do one, right? Um, it won't work. It is very cheesy. It's very false. Whereas if you are, and everything I've got so much out of artistically, um... So I did a psychedelic show and it was all Beatles music. But through doing their psychedelic music, I learned to do sort of, not quite, I mean, I don't want to bring myself up that much, but like Jimi Hendrix style improvisations. Nowhere in my artistic classical career have I ever been given that opportunity. And I gave myself that opportunity. So yeah, it was like a psychedelic show and I wore like, you know, a kind of psychedelic outfit and the background was all psychedelic, which turns out people with visually visual impairments, that's not good for them. Um, you live and you learn. And again, the, the underwater shows have given me so much opportunity to play different music. Uh, the Egyptian show, I did some stuff like uh, The Prince of Egypt, but also traditional Egyptian music involved in there. The Murder Mysteries, they're set in the 1920s and they've given me uh, the opportunity to play um, jazz music of the period. And then alongside it, I'm doing things like um, chamber music. Not, not at the same time, but you know, I do three shows a week. So the Wednesday and Friday show are more anything goes from film music to classical crossover and the Sunday show is more traditional. And then I'm preparing now for um, full-blown concertos to go on there, the Vivaldi concertos to fit in with timings. So all of this has been so great. And what is... I'm kind of sad. I think deep down inside me I was getting a little bit bored a few years ago when I went into film music of playing classical recitals, of playing the same pieces over and over again um, and sometimes making mistakes in the concert because my brain's almost switching off. And when I think I stopped finding performing classical music overly, well, artistically stimulating because it did become a little bit repetitive. And so composing has really helped me out there because, like pre-pandemic, because um, it... It, there was an artistic outlet there's things I didn't know there's problem solving that I had to overcome and so going back to performing repertoire form before on stage it has been really wonderful and I've re, re appreciated things like the lark ascending and whatever music Shostakovich what else have I performed for I'll be playing soon so yeah it's been absolutely wonderful but what I have decided is when I I'm not going to be performing as much live and I just like to say it's not just because of the pandemic I'm not performing so much live. I stopped performing so much live in 2019 to do film music. So I am planning now to go back to touring once a year. And I'll start that in 2021. But I'm not going to be doing recitals or do it down the festival kind of music society route of classical music. I'm planning to do my own tours of my own music and set up my own thing and it's going to be more similar to the stage it shows there's not going to be a genre to it it's not going to be pure classical it's going to be a little bit of everything again i'm taking a risk <laughs> i don't know if it's successful and when you do a tour and you plan it yourself it's a financial risk but that is my plan so that is why i like green screens 
and stage it shows so much they've really really opened the creative part of my heart so much that i believe began closing recently so i'm very thankful and so guys i am so happy to be back i'm happy to be sharing my thoughts on everything everything that comes into my head towards my career obviously it's a lot more pandemic based hopefully one day i'll be doing a podcast that does not involve the pandemic but i find it very interesting how things go i definitely think i i felt for a while pre-pandemic that streamed concerts are a thing that will take off but i i didn't see them as viable at that time i think the pandemic has been the catalyst for that i feel like there are so many artists out there who are making the most and they're not just getting by until they got back they have made these concerts their own they've made it a new art form and i also feel there's an equal number if not more of artists who have dabbled with the streamed concerts and um perhaps didn't like it or there's some that I haven't been so successful and perhaps they're just trying to do what they did in public but from their living room without giving enough respect to understanding or research into what makes a great live stream concert I definitely think interactive is the way forward um, I have some thoughts as well on, you know, like big corporations are starting, big shows are thinking about streaming a lot more, big orchestras. And I think the key is interaction. Obviously, a big orchestra can't, they all can't turn to the screen and read the audience comments out. But ways that audiences can type in and perhaps like, because um, they've got much bigger budget, perhaps the best comments could come across the screen or something like that. Um, or perhaps a Q&A with a conductor at the midway point, something like that. But the, the interactive nature of streamed concerts is definitely a big, a big selling point for them. And in addition, for a truly successful live stream concert, I would say um, definitely you got to think about your tech. you got to think about testing. you I'm not a tech head. I know nothing about tech, but I know it's got to be good. And I know <laughs> that I've got to make sure I know how to use it before I go live for the first time. Um, in addition to that, I would say there's a few more points that need to be um, addressed, which is camera angle is a big one. You know, so I mean, I've seen a few stream concerts where people have the camera like up their nostrils that's a big one i think you know you've got to make it as professional as you can but people understand you're on a budget or you may be doing it for a spare room but yeah make it professional and gradually gradually add as you go just like this podcast i'm recording it off my phone people ask me a lot about how to do a podcast directors they come to me because i do sound in film and i said just keep it cheap keep it on your phone don't buy a mic just you know if you're earning lottery but if you've got millions of people listening you've got sponsorship go out and buy a mic but until that time just do it off your phone and i'd say the same don't don't spend the earth for a streamed concert just do the best with what you've got and now the final thing talking about stage it because i mentioned stage it and that is where i do my live streamings why do you do stage it um well 
I, pre-pandemic, I looked into loads of different sort of streaming services, but I like stage it. People say to me, you, sh you should stream on Instagram. If you stream on Instagram or Twitch, you'll get a lot bigger audience. But I'm all about the quality, not the quantity. So I liked stage it from the start because it was ticketed. It cut down on the audience. It didn't mean like a thousand people bomb into your stream and start writing random stuff. I like it being ticketed. There's some stuff that I like traditional, just like a traditional live concert. And the ticketed aspect is really, really handy. It means that you can control to an extent who's in the audience. And I think because of the interactive nature of a live stream concert, you want to have a nice audience. You want to have a bunch that chat well. You don't just want random people coming in, you know, like writing comments, like sure shit tits. You don't want that. Um, second of all, now, this is more a financial reason, but if you've got a ticketed audience, then financially you're much more likely to make a reasonable living from the concerts. If you're having thousands of people come on from a live stream, like when I used to, remember Periscope before it stopped? I used to Periscope on Twitter and, on, and it go on Twitter and it also go on Periscope. And I'd have thousands if not sometimes tens of thousand people watching streams but i never did a concert on there because it the audience i i feel and this may be controversial but i feel like performing for free devalues the art there's a fine line between like excluding people you know, like my my tickets cost a hundred pounds you can't come and then saying everything's for free just from where I stand, I feel like doing a free concert and hoping people will tip you is devaluing your art. Now, as we stand on streamed concerts, I feel like I do pay what you can. So people can do anything from like a cent or 10 cent, I don't know, a dollar, all the way up to whatever they want. And But I give like a guide price of $10, $10 that's American dollars. But by doing pay what you can, Number one, people aren't sure about streaming. They um, they can pay very little and just see what they like. And this is on stage that you can do the pay what you can. And then people who want to pay $10 can and people can pay more. Then in addition, stage it have tips instead of claps. You, you can just send emojis like, oh, well done. But if people like what they see, they could go, oh, well, I undervalued that. I will tip more. And to be honest, a lot of artists make more money from the tipping than they do the ticketing. But by having it as a paid ticketed event, it means that people coming along who value art and understand that they will be paying something. What they choose to pay is down to them and down to their budget. And I really don't want anyone to overstretch themselves. But... That has worked out really well for me um, in a business sense. So that's the way I'm running. Maybe one day it will be paid or subscription basically. You pay once a month, you can see as many shows you want. I don't know, but that's worked out really well for me. Over Zoom, I did a Facebook one at the beginning of the pandemic with my friend um, Daniel because we were going to be performing live in London and it was cancelled. So we moved the concert online. Funny story, right? So Daniel and I have... Um, done paid online concerts me since 2015 daniel since about 2015-16 so 
we are used to this. Well, Daniel had this. Daniel always has this on social media. If you listen to this, Daniel, and then he calls me on the arguments. Well, basically, this guy was having a go at Daniel. Like, how dare you charge people for an online show? And all that sort of thing. Like, it should be free. It's not that, you know, it, how you should only ever perform online for free. Live concerts in the flesh are the only thing you should charge for. And so I, I kind of said to the guy, Daniel got me involved as he always does, you know, as a mouthy. And I basically said to the guy that I don't devalue art. And I feel like I know how many hours I put in. I know how much preps for this show. And I know the quality of this show. And everyone who's bought a ticket knows that too. Because they were given the option whether to get a refund on their London ticket or to come to the show. And they chose to come to the show. And so, yeah, we laugh at that now. Because, like, a year later, everyone's trying to do the online streaming. Me and Daniel, we were ahead of the trend. We were ahead of the trend. But, yeah, that's an interesting thing. So, these are... Oh, Megan's just come to say hello. Are you going to say hello? She's just rubbing against the phone. She does not like me talking to phones. So, yeah, that's where I stand. And that is my final thoughts on all this. But, please, definitely email me, assistant at online. Contact me via social media if you've got thoughts on this, especially if you're an artist. Oh, sorry, still going on. But... Also, the community spirit of stage is very important. Artists, especially uh, classical musician ones, are so scared or anxious because it's quite a mean world and bullying exists and laughing at each other exists and it's such a pick-on kind of... Behind the stage, it's all nice in public, but it is mean. It is like black swan mean. And so... That's what I love about stage here. There's a whole community of artists from classical to um, Americana to folk. And I know I know so many of them. And we chat and we help each other out. And that is the person I've always been. So I've always found that side of classical music really difficult. And I've always gravitated towards artists that are like me. But if you're a classical artist or any sort of artist, get in touch and let me know your thoughts or ask questions. And I'd love to interview you on the podcast if you want to. If not, I can keep you anonymous. So you can leave a message here on anchor that i can play you can go to assistant at online, or you can message me on social media but don't be a stranger y'all and hopefully you'll be tuning in next week thank you for tuning in once again to the rosin diaries by myself hannah warmer this is season three of the rosin diaries thank you all for listening thank you for your support and if you would like to support me further you can always go to my paypal hannah warmer you can see that on the link on spotify i'm sure and everywhere else and feel free to support me that way see you next week